Okay, testing, testing. Does that work? Are we working? Can you hear me? Let me know if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Trying to get it all up and going, trying to get it working again. YouTube is really trying hard. And that's funny. You know... <laughs> can't stop CCT. You can't stop us. Score one for the Lord. There we go. <laughs> And we are back. All right. So. <laughs> okay. And we're back. So. What happened? YouTube actually messed up all my settings. They messed up the settings. They somehow turned off my microphone in the settings, which doesn't happen. Um. <laughs> and uh, they wouldn't let me go live. They wouldn't allow me to put up a uh, a title card for my videos and all that kind of stuff. So I just went in, started exploring, uh, resetting the settings and all this kind of stuff. I don't know what happened. YouTube tried to stop me, but they failed again. They failed again. And here's the other thing, folks. Just in case you're thinking, you know, well, this is just coincidence. Well, at literally the same time, that YouTube did this to me, Instagram simultaneously blocked and banned me from doing live videos on Instagram. So that's more than coincidence. That's a deliberate attack. That's a deliberate attack to try to stop me and censor me uh, from being able to do live videos. And here's the other thing, folks. I This also just goes to prove something. I, as you know, do not preach politics. I do not preach COVID or any of that stuff. I, it, I don't have anything to do with social justice, politics, or any of that stuff. All I do is literally talk about the Word of God, talk about the Bible. That's literally all that I do. Why would they want to stop me? I'm not a political threat. I'm not a social threat. All I do is speak on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all I do. So, yeah. So anyways, they tried to stop me. Now I got to try to fix the settings of my microphone because it was a bit loud. Tried to get it back to where it was. There we go. Um... So yeah, so you can tell that it's nothing but a deliberate attempt to try to censor the word of God. That's literally all it is. Because that's all I talk about. Uh, like seriously, I I don't rant and rail on uh, other things. Like if you you can you can go and be do have identify whatever you want. I literally don't care. All I care about is being able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't save, I don't convict, I don't do anything. It's none of my powers, none of my abilities. All I do is speak on the word of God. All I do is proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you want to believe it, that's great. Awesome. Praise the Lord. If you don't want to hear it, you don't want to believe it, that's your choice. I'm not going to force you. I don't force anyone. And 
YouTube knows this. Instagram knows this. And they still want to shut me down and silence me. So people don't really believe that these kinds of things are going on and uh, that this stuff's happening. This is evidence, folks. That YouTube would not allow me to live stream broadcast this morning. Instagram would not allow me to live broadcast stream this morning. I'm still blocked and banned on Instagram. I haven't been able to figure a way to circumvent that on my primary account, but I have secondary and thirdly, uh, third-based uh, backup accounts. I have multiple backup accounts on Instagram, so if they shut down my main, I can just go over to one of my others. Um, the problem is I don't have anywhere near as many uh, subscribers on my other Instagram accounts. So please go over on Instagram and you'll check that. You'll see I did some posts and it'll show you where my other accounts are. Anyway, so there you go. Um, yeah. All right, so while we're here, um, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Before I get shut down again. <laughs> all you can do is laugh. It's all you can do. Yeah, the, the, the rantings of this world, uh, it's comical. That's why he who sits in the heavens will laugh at them. The kings of the earth gather themselves together and against the Lord's anointed. And against the Lord's anointed. And they say, let us cast off their, their chains asunder from us. And he who sits in the heavens laughs at them. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, Michelle, um, what you just said there... Um, I did a, a quick little video on one of my other accounts, one of my other Instagram accounts, uh, explaining this kind of thing, that this is what happens. When you become an outspoken individual on the word of God, you're going to be targeted by the social media platforms and the government and everyone else. They're going to be targeting you to shut you down, silence you, hinder you in every way. So if you're going to start up a ministry like that, you need to do what I've done and create multiple redundancies backups i have backup accounts on instagram and i'm planning a an emergency backup account here on youtube now the problem with that is that uh, youtube has a new rule that they put out a while back uh that you cannot live stream on youtube unless you have at least 1000 followers so yeah, that's a little bit of a problem. Uh, so I'm planning on creating an emergency backup YouTube channel that it'll be it'll stay private, and I'm going to um, uh, and and what I'm working on is I'm currently downloading all of my videos, all of them. I, I we got a special uh, um. Because of your guys' donations and stuff, you guys help with this this ministry. So we were able to use some of those donations, and we purchased a two terabyte uh, uh, hard drive, external hard drive, uh, for specifically this ministry. Where what what I'm doing is downloading all of my videos that I've done and putting them on that emergency hard drive. Uh, to back them up because YouTube is going through and is deleting Christians YouTube channels. They just recently uh, uh, were attacking David Wood and uh, trying to delete his videos, but he actually uh, won <laughs> to keep his channel, which is amazing. And so, but I'm a little guy. I don't have a lot of power. None of my videos are monetized. 
So yeah, so I'm working on downloading all of my videos, putting them on emergency backup hard drive, and then what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be uploading them to an emergency backup YouTube channel. So if this channel gets shut down, which YouTube does that, they'll just go along and if they don't like you, they'll literally just scrub your channel. You'll just cease to exist off of YouTube. So if that happens or they silence me, block me from being able to do live streams, I'm going to uh, turn on, activate my secondary YouTube channel as public and it'll have all of my videos. It'll have them all there. The only problem is with downloaded videos like this one, for example, there you can't see the chat. So unlike the videos now, you can go back and rewatch them and you can rewatch the chats. In downloaded videos, there's no chats. So when I upload them in the new channel, uh, you won't be able to see any of uh, any of the comments, any of the chats. So that's the only drawback. But hey, if that's what we have to suffer for to be able to keep the teaching, keep the Bible teachings, it's worth it. So um, anyway, so that's what's going on. So there we go. So anyways, praise the Lord. We're still up. We're still back. That the Lord fought for us. You guys are praying for, for this. And we got this up and going. Uh, YouTube trying its hardest to, uh, to censor, hinder, and stop. But we're back. Praise the Lord. So there you go. So if you guys plan on starting something like this, you have to think of the long game. And you have to plan ahead for... Um, what, what are you going to do if they shut you down? Uh, if they stop you, because I'm telling you, you wouldn't believe the amount of headaches that uh, you have to go through to, to run a ministry like this. Um, no, because the chat is a separate feature. I don't know how it works. I'm not that overly tech savvy. Uh, my wife's the IT department. Um but uh, it just so happened I was able to just walk through one thing at a time, just look at the settings and just focus on stuff and try to figure a way to get this back up. And it works. So there we go. So I didn't get any notifications from YouTube uh, on this video that they're going to try to censor it or anything. So, um, yeah. Anyways. So, yeah. Um, anything that we'd like to, uh, to talk about while I'm up? And as Vice says, as this ministry gets bigger, it'll become more difficult. Yes. Um, I couldn't imagine the kind of difficulties like David Wood goes through on uh, Acts 17 Apologetics. I believe that's the name of his YouTube channel. However, he does go about things a little differently. He's a little bit uh, rough around the edges and he deliberately goes on the offensive against other religions and politics and stuff like that. So he draws a lot of attention. Um, the other thing that this um, that this YouTube channel, that this ministry does, Christian Coffee Time, um, as I've stated before, I'll state it again. Christian Coffee Time does not monetize any of its material. We do not monetize uh, our YouTube videos. Now, what does that mean? Now, monetization, how it works is you you go through YouTube and you set up your account for monetary uh, financial uh, 
payment where the amount of views and likes that your video gets, you actually get some money back. So if I was to monetize this video, and if I qualify for monetization and uh, monetize this video, if I got X amount of likes and views, YouTube would pay me. Now, the thing about that is if you go through that, you then have to follow YouTube's community guidelines and standards and they pay more attention to you. See, Christian Coffee Time is able to float a little bit more under the radar because we are not monetized. I'm just a little backwards channel with no monetization and it's a fairly small channel, so I hardly draw any of attention. But when YouTube does notice me, they cause issues. So could you imagine if we were a larger channel and everything was monetized? You're going to have a lot more headaches, a lot more problems. Um, also... Christian Coffee Time does not have a Patreon account. We uh, uh, do not advertise for, for payments. We do not monetize or any of that kind of stuff. So we really float under the radar. And any donations that are sent in are from personal decisions. We don't ask for any of that kind of thing. So that's the whole money side. I don't like talking about money. Anyways, that if you wanted to donate, that's really up to you. But we're not asking for it. And we're not going to post about it. We're not going to be begging for it. We're not going to be put the big flashing donate now buttons on our website. We don't do that. That's that's crazy. I don't want to look like a, a Kenneth Copeland or something. Um, anyways. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And. David Wood taunts Islam. Yeah, you're going to be drawing a lot of trouble. And those people are going to be coming in and reporting your videos constantly. That's the other thing I also want to mention. I forgot. So thanks for reminding me. Um, you'll also notice that um, what we talk about here on Christian Coffee Time is also kind of carefully tailored. Um, I don't go out of my way to rail on, rant on, and draw attention from other belief systems, political stances, any of that kind of social justice issues. I don't talk about that kind of stuff for reason. You'll notice that the vast majority um, of our videos have, a, have an exceptionally low dislike number. I mean, the like and dislike buttons, the thumbs up, thumbs down things. Um, you might get the odd one or two dislikes. Uh, that's because the content that we put out here on this channel is specifically tailored. We, we only talk about this. I, I don't really go out of my way to make videos and stuff to rail on and bash other systems or whatever so that they'll come in and fight and then report my videos. Because when these people come in and report my videos, the amount of reportings draws attention from YouTube. We don't want that. So we just leave those people alone, leave all that stuff alone. We just focus on the gospel of Christ. That's all we talk about. Talk about the word of God, talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, just walkthroughs of the Bible. That's it. We just mind our business, do our thing. We get the material out for the saints, for the church. And if other people want to hear it, great, fantastic. If not, that's their choice. Uh, so that's the road we take here. We, uh, we here at Christian Coffee Time will not uh, go on the offensive. We will not fight and bicker and that kind of stuff what we're not going to do that that's not what christian coffee time is about christian coffee time is for christians 
is we sit down together to study the word of God. That's all we're talking about. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about social justice issues. We don't talk about any of that kind of stuff. If we talk about other world religions, we just kind of break it down. Look, this is what they believe. This is what the Bible says. That's all it is. And we don't rail and bash and all that kind of stuff. Um, I try very hard to discourage that kind of thing because that's not Christ-like. So we want to be very, very careful about how we go about things and the... And if we are careful and we tow the biblical line, not party line, tow the biblical line, the Lord will also help us in that way. And uh, I, I want this ministry to be preserved uh, uh, so that even when I'm long gone, that this channel will stay up. That's what I'm hoping. It's a, And it's a resource for Bible teaching. That's all it is. It's Bible teaching. So... There we go. Anyways, um, all right, so a quick question, vice versa says, does it matter who baptizes you? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Um, as long as they're a born-again Christian, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, but it has to be a pastor. Where does it say that? It has to be an elder of the church. Where does it say that? As long as the person is a born-again Christian, truly a born-again Christian, it doesn't matter. As long as they're a born-again Christian, they can baptize you. So, there you go. So, that's what the Word of God teaches. It does not say anything about who is the person that has to do the baptizing. Uh, the, the baptizing. Uh, the one being baptized can be baptized by anybody as long as they're a true born-again Christian. So, there you go. Um, going down through. <laughs> can you teach me how to become an apostle? Sure. Yeah. There, uh, there is a, a possibility. And everyone's eyebrows go up and everyone says, what? Yeah. No, uh, firstly, you have to build a time machine. And you have to go back in time a little over 2,020 years ago. And you have to go back to the time of Christ. You have to find Jesus. You have to be, uh, you have to then follow him. And then you have to be standing there with the group uh, of the disciples when Jesus is picking out his apostles. And make sure to raise your hand really high and, and hope that he picks you. So that's, that's how you can become an apostle. Uh, other other than that, no, there is no other way, really. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, Isaiah says, uh, are we priests when you're born again? Yeah, and there's no apostles today. That's right. Uh, are we priests? The Bible says we are what's called believer priests. Now, what does that mean? What's a priest? Well, if you go back into the, the Bible times, you see the temple and the temple work. Who are the priests of the temple? They're the ones that worked in the temple. They're the ones that served the Lord. They did the uh, they worked at the offerings and the teachings and the cleansings and all the upkeep and all the work and the teachings and stuff. They they were the teachers of the temple and the upkeepers of the temple and all this stuff. Um, and as the word of God says, what know ye not, ye are temples of the living God, which is in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Uh, we're all, 
you're a chosen generation of royal priesthood, a holy nation of peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that the word of God teaches we are believer priests, living temples, because the spirit of God lives in us and not in buildings made with hands, but he lives in us in the heart of every believer. Ephesians 3.17. So we are the upkeepers, the teachers, uh, the workers of God. We carry out the work of God like a priest would. Now, some people take that and they kind of run with that a little bit and put more emphasis on that than is needed. You see, when we hear the word priest, we kind of get an idea like a Catholic priest or a temple priest of Hinduism or something. No, 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 no. Get Scrub that physical mysticism out of there. If a priest it just in context of servant of God is one who would work in a temple to, to serve the Lord. But since we are the living temples and we're the workers of the Lord, that, that's all that that means. It doesn't mean you need a, a fancy robe with a fancy collar or whatever you have to wear. No, no it's, just, it's, a, it's a term uh, dedicated to describing someone who serves the Lord. That's in context of us in a biblical context. So there you go. So yeah, and no, there are no more apostles today. So you'd have to be over 2000 years old or Christ came again. You didn't know um, because to be an apostle, you have to have been a disciple of the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You had to be specifically chosen by Jesus as an apostle. Uh, so visions and dreams don't count. It has to be face to face and been taught by Christ and appointed by Christ face to face as an apostle. So unless unless that's happened, you're not an apostle. And it's not going to happen because the apostles are all dead and the line of the apostleship is ended. So there you go. Um, all right, now there's a there's there is a a distinction though there, uh, Vice. Uh, because those who did baptize, as we see by description given in the Word of God, um, all those who did the baptizing were the men, as we see the men were the leaders of the church. The men were the leaders of the church. You see Philip. Now, Philip, the evangelist, he wasn't a specific set up leader of a local church. He was an evangelist. He went out and he proclaimed the Word of God, preached the Word of God. Now, Preachers, pastor, preachers, leaders, uh, those who are authorities of the faith were the men. Uh, we see uh, we see uh, John and Peter and Paul um, and Philip, John the Baptist, baptizing people. And any other time there is mentions in the word of God of those who did the baptizing were men. Now, why weren't women doing it? Well, because again, as we see the uh, the the line of leadership of those who lead the faith were the men, um, though and though so those are set up to do the teaching and do the uh, do that work were the men. So technically, the Bible does not say it doesn't say that women can't baptize, but it does say by that uh, by um, example. It gives example that the men did it. Now, technically, I can't quite say that women can't baptize. 
could there be grace enough? Yeah. Because again, what what does baptism symbolize? Is being is symbolized the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what about examples like a, a woman missionary who is out in the field and she's and she's working and she leads someone to the Lord? You tell me she can't baptize? No. There's grace enough. So technically, yeah, she could. So that's why you put it all together and we have to be very careful and we have to allow the word of God to speak for itself and then see examples of that. Were, uh, were there women who taught and women who evangelized and all that stuff? Yes, yes, absolutely. Can women be missionaries? Yes, yes, absolutely. Can women be pastors and deacons? No. See, that's specific though. That's very specific, and the Bible does say very specifically that when it comes to leadership of a local church, a pastor, uh, the pastor is a man, and the deacon, those who serve under the pastor, are men, not women. Women cannot be pastors and deacons, but can women proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and evangelize and be missionaries, do any other thing? Yes, absolutely. So technically, can, could a woman baptize then, given all these standards? Yes. Because what's technically the uh, requirement? You must be born again. So uh, go do the study yourself and go search that out. And, and let's see what the Bible says on that. Don't let other people tell you and uh, other people interpret it for you. The scriptures interpret itself. So you don't go to catechisms, creeds, and commentaries or, or denominational uh distinctions and traditions you go by what does the bible flat out say itself the bible flat out says this so that's what matters so, there you go um advice uh, says have you ever had a vision or dream from christ well i like to be very careful with this because i know there are some people out there who go crazy when i start talking about these kinds of things but the cessationists absolutely will deny this and say all kinds of crazy nonsense about it. But uh, could you please show me in the word of God where it says dreams and visions and those kinds of things are ended? Can you show me any point anywhere in here where it says any of this stuff is ended? No, um, actually. The only thing that it says in the word of God that is actually ended is in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 10. And it talks about some of the uh, only three specific uh, spiritual gifts, which is prophecy as an Old Testament style prophet. That's what that means, that prophets and apostles are ended, actually. That's what that falls under. Um, tongues is ended. And words of knowledge, new divine impartations of teaching. Uh, those three are gone. That's what the Bible says. And if you disagree, well, Go study your Bible. Um, but that's it. So I'm what's called, I would classify myself as a partial continuationist. Uh, there you got cessationists where everything has ceased, everything has ended. And then there's continuationists, those who believe that all spiritual gifts and this kind of stuff is continued. I fall under the category of partial continuationist because all spiritual gifts are continued. With exception of those three. Those three are done because the Bible flat out says it. So um, so under that, dreams, visions, experiences, signs, wonders, healings, all that kind of stuff absolutely is absolutely continued. They still go on. You don't believe me? Go read some missionary stories, even modern day missionary stories. And it'll blow your mind. Um, 
and things that I've personally seen and experienced of healings and miracles, all kinds of it's insane. Anyone who says that stuff doesn't continue, <laughs> that person's insane. So uh, as for visions and dreams and stuff myself, yes, uh, I have. Um, I try to be careful with how I handle them, how I approach them and stuff, because these kinds of things have a tendency to be very uh, affecting. Uh, they can change, they can re they cause you to refocus on them, cause you to get too hyper taken by them. And here at Christian Coffee Time, we preach the Word of God. We preach Scripture. We preach Bible, not experiences. Uh, and uh, the Word of God, Scripture, the Bible, is our absolute final authority, not visions, dreams, experiences, or any other thing. So anytime you have a vision, dream, experience that technically, when it lines up, is biblical and it'd be from God, you got to look at it. Okay, why? For what reason? What purpose? Uh, what, what can you learn from it? How does the Word of God fit with this? So um, I have had some experiences. I've had had some visions and dreams and stuff that the Lord has given for personal reasons. Um, like one, I was going through a really hard time. This is quite a while ago, a few years back. Um, I was going through a real hard time of heavy depression, extreme oppression from the enemy. And the Lord uh, showed me something, revealed something to me uh, just as an encouragement and, and scripture just lot in my mind when the Lord was showing me some things, the things I saw and heard, and it really excited me, encouraged me, helped me, and uh, it really uh, rejuvenated my faith in this and uh, brought me so much closer to the Lord. And it was very shortly after that uh, that, that uh, things really started changing. And, and uh, yeah, so a lot of the things I have personally seen and experienced are personal. Um, uh, as the Lord spoke, spoke to me, backing it up with scripture, using scripture in these things that, that I saw and heard and experienced. Um, yeah, so I have, but I don't preach it and I don't put huge stock on it. What I mean by that is that the word of God is my authority. This is all that matters to me. And that visions and dreams technically when it comes down to it are unnecessary but does that mean that the lord won't no he will but we have to make sure we put them in their proper place so yeah um yeah vice says do you think the third temple will be built in our lifetime i've said it before i'll say it again and again, I will admit that I could absolutely be completely wrong on this. Uh, and, you know, if I am wrong, I'm wrong. Okay. But given the events of the world, given the fulfillments of prophecy and the things that we see, uh, some people say, well, every generation says, you know, this is the end days, this is the end times. Okay. True. Granted. Yes. However, um, no other time in human history, recorded history that we've seen like this, uh, have we ever seen where the entire world 
the entire world the entire world is uh, actually being controlled by a singular governmental overboard we've never seen it never seen these where every country every kind of the whole world is controlled by one government one mind one control one system like this so that is rather telling of the time that we're in so the thing is the question is 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 it entirely possible is it entirely possible that everything could just bottom out and everything goes kind of goes back to normal and we go on for another thousand years yes absolutely it could happen it could totally happen that everything that's going on right now is could very well be just kind of like a dry run a dry run by the world governments to see how people react to governmental manipulation in this scale it could be um but what's my opinion and i was asked my opinion do i what do i think do i think that it's possible i'll put it this way and this is how i've stated it before and i'll say it this way again if if okay it's a big if if everything continues at the speed that they are going and if everything continues in this manner at this speed at this force of power everything keeps going in this manner personally my opinion is if everything continues at this speed and it doesn't stop my opinion is yes we very well could see the end of days and one day you turn on the news and you see that they're starting to build the third temple yes uh if everything continues at the speed that they are my opinion is within several years i would say technically under 10 years we would see under 10 years we would see the end of days we'd even see the third temple starting to be rebuilt and we will see an individual stand up and take the world stage a single man take the world stage and be uniting the world under one uh, one uh, government control he'll be working on making a peace pact in the middle east and all this and he'll be conquering the world with flatteries with flatteries uh yes absolutely uh, we could very well see that with under under 10 years if everything keeps going at the speed that they are that's my opinion um that's just how i feel about it but could it very well bottom out and everything just go on for another thousand years yes absolutely it could um, so that's why you don't put too much emphasis and stock on that yes paying attention to world events paying attention to what's going on yes and bring it back to the word of god and look at it from a biblical view and not a personal opinionated view from a biblical worldview and make sure make sure that all of the stuff going on doesn't stop you from doing what's most important that is proclaiming the gospel of jesus christ all right um jen says i try to pray every night right before bed because sometimes my dreams are horrible yes we do see in the word of god um uh, examples of our uh, bedtime devotions of uh, it says uh meditating uh on the word of the lord upon my bed uh the lord takes the reins of our heart in the night season that means we 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 talk to the lord and we and 
and we ask him to take control and protection of ourselves while we sleep that he, that he takes the reins of our heart it means he takes the control and the power uh, in this and that he overcasts us he overshadows us in protection while we sleep so yeah you should get in the habit of talking to the lord and asking the lord to protect you and help you and and, and uh, protect your mind and your heart and all this stuff while you're sleeping because when you're unconscious you can't really control what comes in you're kind of at the mercies of, of the powers that be uh, while you're sleeping so you want the you want to ask the lord make sure you ask the lord to protect your mind protect your imaginations your thoughts and dreams and the stuff when you go to sleep because the enemy will definitely be trying to take advantage of you uh when you're unconscious because you're an, you're an easier prey it's like the the hyenas and the lions sneaking up on a sleeping wildebeest kind of thing yeah yeah so you want to protect yourself um going down through vice says i remember you saying you saw an angel in the sky but discerned it was not a real angel if i remember correctly um oh yeah yeah i remember that one um it wasn't long after i got saved actually um yeah okay so what happened with theirs because i know people will be wondering what in the world you're talking about um okay to clarify it was not very long after i got saved um still learning the ropes and um the um the enemy have been playing a lot of tricks on me a lot of things trying to get me because i came from a very uh experiential spiritism uh, type of life and all this stuff um so they still tried to get me and so i'm studying through reading and memorizing and studying the word of god and the enemy keeps coming in kept trying to trouble me and anyways um i was also in the habit of well i was also trying to create a new habit uh to get rid of the old habits that i used to have see in my old life before i got saved when i was in the world of the occult um i would get up at all hours of the night uh just whenever i would wake up throughout the middle of the night i would get up and go out in the other room and do my rituals all kinds of occult rituals and spells and incantations and stuff just to keep my powers up anyways so what i'd been doing is after i got saved is I, I would wake up in the middle of the night i'd go out in the other room and i'd read my bible and pray and and just kind of just cutting ties and and destroying the remembrances and all the stuff of the old life and and just giving my my life to the lord in every way shape and form as i get up in the middle of the night and go out in the other room and pray read my bible well this one night i woke up i have no idea what time it was the middle of the night i got up and went in the other room and it was dark and i was reading my bible and just talking to the lord and um because my mind would keep filling with all kinds of horrible things the enemy just constantly oppressing so just praying just to settle my mind my thoughts and imaginations and stuff and um and i remember very distinctly while i was praying and talking to the lord um i had my eyes shut and i don't how, how to explain a vision an actual vision not a dream it wasn't a dream this is different um it's like you close your eyes here and they open somewhere else and it's as real and as real as real can be 
I, I mean, you can feel, smell, sense. It's you're literally there. You're you're not like imagining you're there. You're there wherever there is. I knew it's um. That's what happened. I I my eyes shut. I was talking to the Lord. I was praying, and then it's like my eyes open somewhere else. And given that my background, I immediately knew what was going on, that this was a spiritual thing, that this was a vision, this is not an imagination, it wasn't a hallucination, it wasn't a dream, this is a vision. It was a supernatural work of something. And so, my eyes opened somewhere else, and I remember I was standing, I don't know where, but it was like cloud. There was thick, thick, thick cloud all around me. And you could see it billowing and rolling. It was white. It was white cloud with a hint of gray in it. Just, you know, you could think of like, you, you, you watch a fog bank, a thick, thick fog bank roll by. That's what it was like. And while I'm standing, this all happened rather quickly within, I don't know what time is. It seemed to go by quickly. Uh, but anyways, as I'm looking at this cloud bank in front of me, I see this being come through it. Now, while I'm looking at it, you, you can see, you know, if something was to move through a fog bank, you would see the clouds kind of like billowing, rolling over the thing that's coming through the cloud. That's what it looked like. And it was this giant angel is what it looked like. It was huge. It was it was covered in armor that was iridescent. An iridescent armor, and it had huge wings. Massive wings. Uh, sticking out the side, and it was coming forward. It had this huge sword in its hands. It was and it was just coming out like that. It was holding its sword and just like floating through. The wings were moving, just moved through, and the clouds billowing over. And it just shocked me. And I, I couldn't see facial features or anything. It was uh, it's like it's like I couldn't make out. I couldn't quite see the face. And I'm looking at this thing. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's an angel. It looks like an angel. And it ended. It just ended. And so it took me by surprise. I'm thinking, why? What, what was this about? I, you know, I saw an angel. Why? And and so I got thinking about this and the and seeing that it really grabbed my mind. It really grabbed my mind. And I really got obsessed with that, seeing that. And I, I, I remember the details of everything that it looked like. It was incredible. And then and then the Lord started talking to me the next day, because I was I had been talking about, you know, this is what I saw. And everyone's like, oh, that's that's interesting. And you should look into this, you know, why? And so I started looking into it. And I started, I started saying, okay, if it is, there'll be scriptural backup. If it's not, the word of God will disprove it. And I'll explain why. What's the reason? And there's the other thing. And you look out throughout the word of God, anytime an angel of God came to someone, it came for a reason, a purpose. This being that I saw said nothing. Said nothing. Single time. An angel of God would go to someone, it, what did they say? Fear not, worry not. It said nothing. And God is not the author of confusion. I was confused. There is no reason, no purpose. It was confusion as to why. You see, Satan can appear as an angel of light. 
and his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to the works. This thing said nothing, did nothing, preached nothing, proclaimed nothing. There is no reason. It was an empty experience. These people say, but what you saw and that should encourage. But God doesn't work that way. He speaks. God works through word. The word of God is what encourages. Not just experience. It's not, it's not an experience Christianity. It's a truth of word Christianity. It's based upon the word of God. The scriptures of God. So people get so caught up in the visuals. And that's how Satan works. By, by visuals and experiences, your senses. That's how Satan works because he has no truth in him. There is no truth in him, so he can't proclaim truth. He All he can do is lie and try to deceive you through flashing lights and tinsel. So when you put all of the evidences down, it proclaimed nothing, said nothing, did nothing. There was no reason. It brought confusion. Everything about that experience goes against the word of God. Everything. Even though the creature did nothing. Did nothing. It still went against the word of God. Because it did nothing. Anytime the Lord moves, the Lord works. The Lord says something. There's a reason. There's a purpose. God does not just do flippant things. There's always a reason behind everything. So every single experience you could ever have, test it by the word of God. Don't focus on the visuals, focus on the doctrine. What is the doctrine of it? What is the theology of it? Does it does the experience in any way, shape, or form contradict the word of God even remotely? Gotta be very careful. Gotta be very careful. And any experience, doctrine, teaching, ideology that contradicts the word of God even remotely is false doesn't matter how good it may seem, how wonderful it may seem, how nice it may seem. It doesn't matter what, what they're saying, who they are, or any of that. It doesn't matter where it came from. It doesn't matter even if it came from Christians. If it contradicts the word of God, even remotely, then it's wrong. The word of God is our final absolute authority, not people, places, things, and experiences. So there you go. So yeah, the enemy tried to get me many times. Um... There, there are numerous other experiences that I've had. I don't really like talking about them a lot because I, I don't want people to think about that and associate that kind of stuff with me. I don't deny it. It's just this is more needful. This has more power, more encouragement, more help, more teaching, more everything than anything else that, that could be shown or talked about. Uh, the word of God is our final absolute authority. Yes, I've had many experiences. I've seen many things, heard many things. But this transcends everything. This transcends everything. All right. Um, so, yeah, to go down through the questions. Um, okay. Isaiah says, I have difficulty explaining how we have free will to choose to trust in the gospel and be born again and being chosen. Can you touch on the topic? Yes, I did. That's in my previous video on uh, losing enlightenment versus losing salvation. Losing enlightenment versus losing salvation. Please go watch that video. I go, in, I go into that in depth, in extreme in depth. 
uh, really hammering on that one, showing the difference of this and how the Word of God uh, uh, opens to this, how the Spirit of God moves in this, bring us understanding and how we then choose to believe or choose not to. I go into great detail on that. Um, so that video as well is also my refutation against the Calvinistic doctrine of irresistible grace, because the Word of God very, very clearly very emphatically that uh, focuses on that and shows that that yes the grace of god can be resist hebrews 6 4 to 6 is a flat out explanation of that so there you go anyways so please go watch that video uh, uh losing salvation versus losing enlightenment versus losing salvation watch that one uh and it'll explain that anyways uh but to touch on free will yes we have free will because we'll simply said very simply stated if if I do not have free will, God is responsible for all sin. Because if I have no free will, I'm just dancing to the uh, to to the instructions that He gave me. I'm a robot. I'm a puppet. I have that anything and everything that I ever do. That God is responsible. God then is responsible for blasphemy, rape, murder. Uh, he's responsible for drunkenness and violence and every other sin under the sun. He's responsible for it because no one has free will. You see what happens? If there's no free will and we are not responsible for our own actions, then God is responsible for it and he's the creator of sin. Which he isn't the creator of sin. He's not responsible for sin. We are. We choose to disobey. God shows and instructs. And for example, we see the uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil in Adam and Eve. Then people say, "Well, well, how could that? How's that example?" God explained to them. He showed them. He taught them. He instructed them. He warned them. He left them with no excuse. He showed them all the everything about this about why it's dangerous what it is he showed them where it is what it looks like what it'll do to them if they do he warned them and showed them full instruction he says now don't eat of it and they went and ate of it they chose to all sin is willful sin you choose to sin that even as a christian you know it's wrong you do it anyways you chose to. All sins willful sin. Everything that we do was by free will choice. You chose to ignore the warnings of God. You chose to not pray. You chose to not read your Bible. You chose to not go to church. You chose to eat this thing instead of that thing. You chose to buy that car instead of that car. Everything's done by free will. And when it comes to the issues of righteousness and unrighteousness, the word of God is there and present in us. And we know the difference between the holy and the profane, and we choose how we're going to react. You choose your reactions. You chose to get mad. You chose to not get mad. You chose to lie. You chose to tell the truth. Everything's free will. See, God instructs us. He gives full instruction. And what he desires is that we would choose him over ourselves. We would choose the truth. We would choose the word of God. We would choose Christ-likeness over flesh-likeness. So there you go. And if there's no free will, God's responsible for all sin. And if he's responsible for all sin, he's not God. Just saying. All right. So um, can you touch on predestination? 
<laughs> yeah, because of my Instagram post, right? Okay. Now. Let me just state that a lot of people, they get flustered and upset when I post anti-Calvinism posts. Now, you have to understand who I am. You understand my character. and Many of you know me pretty well. Um, when I talk about stuff, I don't hate people. I'm not that kind of an individual. I hate heresy. I hate sin and blasphemy and I hate false gods, uh, but I don't hate people. And I have friends who are Calvinists. I have friends who are Calvinists. I have friends who are Armenians. I have friends uh, on the whole spectrum of this. Um, now, I I'm an, I'm an opinionated individual, um, as you know. Uh, I like to stir the pot. I rock the boat. What I like doing is making people think. That's what I do. I try to make people think. Because in the grand scheme of things, people just grab a hold of something that seems to grab their attention and they don't really study it out. Like an individual gets comes into this whole world of opinions and doctrines and theologies and stuff and they just grab a hold of something that seems to look good it seems to sound good and they don't really study it out themselves they don't ask questions they don't try to see how it could be wrong they just accept it outright a lot of people say they believe in jesus but they don't explain why a lot of people say they're calvinists but they don't really know why and they they then out outright reject anything that might even remotely question that view the same with the Armenians. You see, when we look at the whole view of Calvinism in general, and it, it that it's a man's creation. Now, bear with me. People say, no, it's of the Bible. Bear with me, please. Just one second. Just let me just talk for one second here. It's individuals, men that are not apostles. These are not apostles. These are fallible men who can make mistakes. I'm just saying. And that they've, in their studies of the Bible, they have come up with certain views that they have created terms for where some of these views and terms are technically biblically incorrect. That's why I question and refute Calvinism. Now you say, well, how could it be incorrect? Irresistible grace, for example, is complete nonsense. Because very clearly, you see throughout the word of God, the grace of God can be resisted. Very clearly. Let alone Hebrews 6, 4 to 6 is an absolute blatant refutation of irresistible grace. It talks about those who are once enlightened and given a taste of, of the of the truth and were partakers of the Holy Ghost. If they shall fall away, and those enlightened, not say enlightened, we talk about what enlightenment is. Enlightenment is not salvation. These are unsaved people who are shown and taught and given all the conviction, and they see it by the Spirit of God. They see what the truth is, and they reject it. If they shall fall away, how hard it is to renew them again. It's talking about the unsaved people resisting the grace of the work of the Holy Spirit of God. 
So how could you say irresistible grace is true when it's not? It's an absolute blatant contradiction of the word of God. I'm just saying. But if you want to believe that, that's your choice. That's your choice. I'm not going to curse you or anything, but I'm going to say that that teaching, that doctrine is complete nonsense. It's wrong. And then you see, for example, the other one, limited atonement, is an is absolute, and I call it heresy, because it is. It changes the very atoning work of Jesus Christ. It, it, limited atonement is saying that the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the shed atonement of the cross, was limited. He did not love all the world. And that the doctrines of that, they literally rewrite, change the very words of the word of God. All doesn't mean all. All doesn't mean all. World doesn't mean world. Whosoever doesn't mean whosoever. And they say it just, it means whosoever of the elect. The world of the elect. They all of the elect. It doesn't say that. You're adding to the word of God and literally changing the very definitions of the words that are in the word of God. Where if you actually take those verses, those passages, and look at the actual Koine Greek that they were written in, you'll see that the very Greek meaning of those words means literally all. <laughs> world as in earth of the realm of man. Whosoever, meaning anyone, and it's not limited, it's not restricted, it's an open declaration. Every one of those passages. And here's the other thing. The Bible flat out says, God is not willing that any should perish. But if the atonement of Jesus Christ was limited, and he did not atone for everybody, he did not love all the world and only the specific chosen select elect, then he is willing that some should perish. And we have a massive contradiction in the word of God. Limited atonement is heresy. And the thing about unconditional election, unconditional election is built off of limited atonement. And if you deconstruct and refute and disprove limited atonement, unconditional election falls apart. So limited atonement, unconditional election, and irresistible grace are absolute nonsense unbiblical nonsense and and change the word of god rewrites the word of god redefines the words of the word of god limits the work of jesus christ changes the very work of jesus christ so yeah i absolutely oppose uh calvinism i absolutely oppose those three points because those three points are nonsense but what about the other two total depravity is right it's right. All have sinned. All are fallen away. All are become corrupt. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. All of our righteousnesses are filthy rags. You would not even repent if the Spirit of God wasn't coming upon you to show you and reveal to you your sin and bring you to the conviction of sin so that you desire to be saved from your sins. You wouldn't even repent if the Spirit of God wasn't showing you. Yeah, you're totally depraved in the worst state. You're an enemy of God, enemy of all righteousness, a child of hell. Yeah. The other... The last one, perseverance of the saints. That that's uh, all about once saved, always saved. How how our, so, our salvation is is uh, preserved by the Spirit of God. We're held in the hand of God. You can't lose your salvation because it's of grace, not works. Yeah. So perseverance of the saints, total depravity is true. But the other three, uh, limited atonement, unconditional election, irresistible grace is nonsense. Now, what about election? You're certainly not elected before you're saved. How's that? Well, that means you are literally incapable of going to hell while you're totally depraved. 
That's literally what they are saying. That while they are yet in their sins, unsaved, an enemy of God, a child of hell, child of the devil, no goodness, no righteousness, lost, condemned in their sins, they were incapable of going to hell in this state. You're certainly not elected before salvation. You're elected after because you're elected to do the works of Christ. Not a special select chosen elect of God that he only saves you and that you can't go to hell. No, that's that's stupid. That's not what that's talking about. And we see in Romans 8, 29. Acts, Romans, we want chapter 8. And where are we? Romans 8, 29. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, uh, to them which are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. You see, people stop in verse 29. He also did predestinate. And they stop. See, we're predestinated. For what? Predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So God, God desires all men everywhere to repent. That, that God predestined the work of Christ, Christ's likeness, righteousness, the path of righteousness. He, he ordained this. He predestined that this is how he wants it to be. And anyone who believes is then elected to do the works of Christ. We take a look, for example, at Ephesians 2.10. Uh, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, predestined to do the works of, created in Christ Jesus. When are you elected to do the works of Christ? Before you're saved or after you're saved? After you're saved. Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God ordained previously that we should walk in what? The works of Christ. Who? God calls all men everywhere to repent. God is not willing that any should perish. So when you put all of it together, you see that it's virtually in, impossible for unconditional election of Calvinism to be true. That limited atonement is not true. Irresistible grace is just simply not true. That these are misconceptions. These are misconceptions of certain individuals who, yes, who were powerful men and did great work. They preached the gospel. They're born again saved. They're not blasphemous heretics of hell or like some people call them. They're saved. They're born again Christians. They're just wrong on this point people say but you post uh, post their quotes and stuff by calvinists all the time yeah i do because they're great men they have great work they preach strong gospel they have great awesome stuff and other biblical things i just ignore what they say about calvinism because that's wrong you see eat the meat spit the bones out applies to born-again christians that that if someone is not a christian well there's no meat that you would eat of that they just ignore it. there's no value of that but if someone is a born-again christian you listen to what they say and you know they say something that's technically biblically incorrect you ignore that but they have some other stuff that's great fantastic biblical truth so yeah all because i post by calvinist doesn't mean i'm a calvinist you don't have to be a calvinist to post stuff on calvinist that's just illogical now for example we see in first john 2 2 it flat out says First John chapter two, verse two, that Christ atoned for the sins of the whole world of the elect. It doesn't say that. 
John 3.16, for God so loved the world of the elect. It doesn't say that. You're adding to the Bible and you're redefining the words. Say, world mean, doesn't mean all the world. Even though the very literal Koine Greek of world in John 3.16 literally means planet Earth, the realm of man, all of men of the world, it literally means that. And they say, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Second Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish, but God commands all men everywhere to repent. And they say, no, it doesn't. It doesn't say that. It doesn't mean that. You're literally telling me that the literal face value of scripture that flat out says this is what it is. You're saying that's not what it is. Who's the one that's wrong? The one who believes the Bible or the one who believes the opinions of men? So you see. Yeah, exactly. Paul Washer. Fantastic. Excellent. Fantastic stuff. He's wrong. When it comes to limited atonement and election, Calvinistic election is wrong. There's Calvinistic election, then there's biblical election. What are we elected to do? The works of Christ. When? After you're saved, not before. You see, they've just moved the cursor to the wrong point. That's all that they've done. So you see, John MacArthur, fantastic preacher. He's got awesome stuff. He's just wrong on election and limited atonement and cessationism and the mark of the beast. So he's just wrong on a few points, but he's got some fantastic stuff. Charles Spurgeon was a Calvinist. He even openly states he wasn't a hyper-Calvinist. He did not believe in limited atonement. He, ac he actually was an open evangelist and believed that Christ atoned for the sins of the whole world. That he preached to all people because he believed that all people should be saved. He flat out says this. So yeah. So we got to know what we're getting into. We got to ask questions and all because so someone has elevated certain people like Calvin and all these others up to the same level as apostles and you don't dare question them because they're the fathers of the reformation. Who do you think you are? I think I'm someone who believes the Bible over the opinions of men. John Calvin was not an apostle. And other people of his of his stripe and, uh, and proclaimers of those those views of Calvinism and stuff, they're not apostles, and they should be questioned. They should be questioned severely because they are not uh, they were not ordained of God as apostles, and the Spirit of God did not speak to them Holy Scripture that was penned down and preserved unto all generations. They had views and opinions that they came up with in their own personal devotions, and they preached their opinions that technically are unbiblical. So I question it. I call into question, but I don't damn them to hell. So yeah, ask questions. All because it's old and accepted by the masses doesn't mean that it's good and that it's right. You don't, you don't elevate catechisms, creeds, and commentaries, and traditions, and church traditions, to the same level as Holy Scripture. The Word of God interprets the Word of God. Not traditionalistic views. Catechismic theology. You see, and the other thing about these individuals is they have also created big, fancy wordology word vomit. Uh, these big, huge terms that to denote these specific doctrinal stances. And if you and it and you gotta uh, pick one, you have to pick one. No, you don't. Uh, you'll notice 
I don't use big fancy terms for things. I quote Bible verses. If you have to use catechisms, creeds, commentaries, and traditional orthodox terminology to describe your biblical stance, you don't know the Bible. You don't know the Bible then. If you do not know how to only use the Word of God to explain the Word of God, then you do not know the Word of God. You know catechism. You know tradition and orthodoxy. You don't know Bible. You see, that's the other thing I try to teach here in Christian Coffee Time is I try to encourage people and to teach people how to just only use only the Bible. Use only the Bible. Don't use orthodox language. Don't use orthodox traditions. Don't use the catechisms and commentaries and stuff. Use the Bible. Learn the Bible. Memorize the Bible. Nothing else. Well, what stance do you take on this or this term or this term or this term? None of them. None of them. I don't use it. I will not use any of those. I use Bible verses to describe my stances on things. I use Bible verses. I use Bible verses and only Bible verses. If you don't know how to do that, then you don't know how to use the Bible right. You know how you know how to defend and argue catechism and church traditions and all that kind of stuff. But you don't know how to argue and defend the Bible alone. And that's the fault of many a Christian. That those of the reformed Christian view... Okay, if you want that stance, go right ahead. I, I, I literally don't care. What I do care is how you abuse or use the Word of God. If you're using the Word of God to defend catechismic church orthodox traditions, that's wrong. This is my only tradition. This is my only orthodox stance. What this says. Flat out, the words on the pages of the Word of God. This is my doctrinal statement. This is my statement of faith. This is my church tradition. This is my orthodoxy. Nothing else. This is my catechism. This is my everything. I don't need the stances and the opinions and all of the traditions and orthodoxies of physical spiritualism. All of, that, of all that stuff. I don't need that. Well, the, the reformers, they start the Reformation. You know the Bible's older than the Reformation, right? You do know Christianity predates the Reformation, right? You do know that the doctrines and theologies of the Word of God predate the Reformation, right? You know the reformers did not create Christianity. You do know that the reformers did not, did not canonize and catechize if you that's a word if that's a word uh our, our christianity that that the reformation and the reformers that's just one stripe of one flavor of one line of certain individuals of their opinions of their of their attempts to study and and understand what christianity is from their view that's all that is what is christianity Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifests in the flesh, and he saves us by grace through faith, by belief alone. And what this says is what this means. And I don't need to rewrite it and make fancy, big, fancy terms of it to make people try to understand what it says. I just quote the Bible because the Spirit of God helps people to understand the Word of God. That's all I need. There you go. All right. Uh, I'm out of breath. <laughs> okay.
I hope that makes sense. If, if you have any questions on that, please go ahead and ask away. So what it comes down to is you got to ask questions. Ask questions of everything. Be critical of everything. Question everything. You see, well, why am I so critical? People have actually accused me of being critical like this. And let me just explain why. Because I was deceived once. Severely. Severely, severely deceived and deluded. Uh, right into the world of the occult before. I will do everything that I possibly can to never be deceived again. There's only one way, one truth, one life. There's only one authority. And there's only one way to know what truth is. It's by the word of God. And I am not going to follow the traditions and opinions of anyone or anything else. What God says is all that matters. God cannot lie. And this is so simple. The word of God is so simple that a child can understand it. Why do I need to recreate or redefine what God has already written? That is already so simple a child can understand it. That's the problem of the reformers. And they take people who don't study their Bibles and they feed them all of their own opinions. I'm sorry, but that sounds way too close to a cult. That's my opinion. What's my opinion? Calvinism is very cult-like. Very cult-like. They... they the, the mannerisms, the mentality, the obsessiveness, and the redefining, and the re-terming, and the recreating, and all that the way that goes on, it just, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's just so wrong. People say, well, you don't understand Calvinism. Oh, I understand Calvinism. And it goes against the word of God. So, I'm telling you. This is what I'm believing. So there you go. I hope that makes sense. And if this offends anyone, look, I don't mean to offend, but if the truth offends, then so be it, because it's the truth. Show me from the word of God. You know, I'll put out a challenge. Show me from the Bible alone. Use only the Bible to prove limited atonement. Use only the Bible. Only the Bible's words, the Bible's verses, the Bible's references. Use only the Bible. Prove limited atonement without contradicting any single other point of the word of God, even remotely. If you can do that, I'll recant everything that I just said. And I'll accept Calvinism. That's a pretty safe bet because you can't. There you go. Um, yeah, I was planning on doing the study of uh, 
Yes, it's adding to the Bible. Uh, I was planning on doing a study of Luke, but that's not going to happen uh, today anyways. Uh, so, Lord willing, uh, our next broadcast day will do that. Um, but anyway, so this, this actually was just a test broadcast to make sure that this worked, and it works. So since we're up, we're going to talk about some stuff. And recently, I did some posts over on Instagram uh, refuting Calvinism. Um, sure, I'll do it. Give me a second. I'm going to show you some of my Calvinism posts, if I could figure out where I put them. Give me one second. Oh, there it is. Calvinism. See this right here. Uh, this is literally what unconditional election and limited atonement is saying. This is literally what it's saying. This, this, this sums up the tulip theology of hyper-Calvinism. This is what it's saying. That God has specifically chosen and elected only a special select chosen elect to be saved, and all the rest were created to be hellfire fodder. That they cannot be saved. God does not love them. Because John 3.16 only applies to the special chosen elect. That God does not even love those other people. That's literally what it's saying. You see, the other thing about it too is they rewrite the word of God. For God so loved the elect that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever was unconditionally elected before the foundation of the world should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world to condemn the world, and in order that the elect might be saved through him. That's what Calvinism is literally teaching. Please, someone tell me that I'm wrong. Because otherwise... Faster, we must tell everyone the good news that Jesus may or may not have died for their sins. I mean, like seriously, you can't make this kind of garbage up. I this is insanity. This is absolute insanity. And the world does not mean world, all does not mean all. they're redefining, recreating the very words and terms of the word of God. And people, people take this as say, I'm attacking people and all. No, no, I'm not. I'm saying, look, this is what this is doing. The gospel says, and Calvinism teaches, Jesus came to save the world. He only came to save the elect. Jesus died for all men. As the Bible flat says, no, he only died for the elect. God's predetermined plan is Jesus as ransom for men and all who believe are saved. No, he only chose some for salvation and sent Jesus and died for them and caused them to believe. Jesus is the light of the world so that the world might be saved through him, is what the Bible says. Nope, he's the light of the world, but only the elect can be saved. The elect are those who are in Christ through faith. Nope, the elect are a specific chosen from the beginning. You see, we're... it's so infuriating. And then there's this. This. This is the ultimate outcome 
the ultimate outcome of limited atonement and unconditional election. Infant damnation. The, the babies in the womb. That those, those babies in the womb, little children that die, little babies that die, if they are not of the special chosen select elect, they will go and burn in hell. A little innocent baby will burn in hell. That's literally what Calvinism promotes by their unconditional election and limited atonement. You see, people don't ask questions. They don't critically think. They don't critically study these things. What does the Bible say? And I get called evil and all kinds of names and cursed out because I say, look, the Bible says. But let's see what does the Bible say. Now, I'm, I'm just going to read flat out scripture, okay? I'm just going to read the verses. Let's see what the verses say. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And he, we back up talking about Jesus, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means atonement. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, 2. 1 John 2, 2. Hebrews 2, 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For every man. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, and in the Koine Greek that means planet earth, all of, all of men. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life second corinthians 5 14 to 15 for the love of christ constraineth us because we we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again acts 17 30 and the times of this ignorance god winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why would he do that if he didn't love all the world? Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Or is he willing that some should perish? Or is he not willing that any should perish? Which is it? Please tell me, which is it? Is he willing that some should perish? Or is he not willing that any should perish? The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. I'm going to believe the Bible. John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God that it bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Why would the salvation of God appear to all men if God was not willing that all should be saved? 
I know, I know that not all will, but again, the point is, is that he did open the atonement so that anyone could be saved because he's not willing that any should be saved. So he commands all men everywhere to repent. He offers it unto all. Why would he offer it unto all if he's not even willing or desiring to save them? See, that doesn't make sense. 1 John 4, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And if you look up all, whosoever, world, everyone, in the Koine Greek, it literally means all, whosoever, world, anyone. 1 Timothy 4.10, for, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. 1 Timothy 2.4, who will have all men to be saved? He's willing that. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. John 6.51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I, I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So, okay. And then people bring in things like, for example, I'll get to that, uh, that reference in Ephesians there. Um, you see, people will take a single verse and they'll cherry pick it and ignore all the other text, all the other text that might even remotely contradict it. And they cherry pick a verse and they create a doctrine on it. What's that called? Cult mind. That's cult mind. That's how cults work. They hyper cherry pick a verse or passage or, or part of a verse and they build doctrines off it without correlating with the rest of the word of God. See, because how can we then justify limited atonement and unconditional election after reading all of these verses? How does that work? It doesn't. It contradicts. Anything that even remotely contradicts is then wrong. Go back to the drawing board. So, here is a system on how to study the Bible. The clear interprets the unclear. Okay, those of you that are in the chat, could you please type that? Every one of you, could you just type that? Clear interprets unclear. So I'll show you how this works, what this means, okay? Could you just type clear interprets unclear? Now, what does the Bible clearly state about Jesus? We'll approach it from this manner. According to the Word of God alone, the Bible alone, Scripture alone, the Word alone, who is Jesus? The Bible very clearly proves, states, Jesus is God. Goes beyond doubt. Very clearly it states Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. That's what the Bible says. Okay. Now what about all the other unclear passages? That like Muslims or Jehovah's Witnesses or any of these other people might bring up. You know, like people say, well, when in uh, Mark 10, 18, Jesus says, there's only one that does any good and that he is God. So therefore, Jesus proves that he's not God. Clear interprets unclear. Very clearly, we see that the word of God has all of this evidence over here proving that Jesus is God. 
And you have this one little passage over here that kind of seems maybe sort of to indicate, if you looked at it this one way, that maybe it would seem that Jesus is saying he's not God. Well, obviously, that's not what it's saying. Well, how do we know that? Because of all this. All of this over here, the clear, helps us to understand what it's not saying. Therefore, because the Bible does say Jesus is God, any other possible, even remote question that might come up that, that people might try to use to disprove that is therefore then false by default. Because all this over here is very clear on what it is saying. The clear interprets the unclear. So therefore, by the sheer insurmountable proof in the of the word of God that proves that God loves all the world, that whosoever and the any and the all and, and all of this, about the, showing how God is not willing to any should perish, the clear, the evidence proving the fullness of the grace of God towards all people of the world is clear. Insurmountable. For God so loved the world. God is not willing that any should perish. So all of that. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Christ atoned for the sins of the whole world. It flat out says it. The clear interprets the unclear. That any of these, these uh, Calvinistic election limited atonement doctrines by the cherry pick this verse, this verse, this verse over here to try to prove it is therefore wrong by default because of, the, because of all of the clear. The clear interprets the unclear. That's how you need to approach the word of God. That any possible question that might pop up in your mind regarding this stuff they might show you. But what about all of this? What about all of this back here? All of these other passages, all the rest of scripture that contradicts it. What does the Bible flat out clearly say? What it flat out clearly says in the vast majority of the text helps you to understand what it's not saying. So therefore, passages that they might try to use to try to prove the Calvinistic election is therefore wrong by default because of all of this over here. Because there are no contradictions in the word of God. Because God God otherwise is a twisted, chaos-confused monster that says, No, I love all the world. No, I don't. Now, I atone for the sins of all the world. No, the rest of you can burn in hell. That's literally what, what, what you're faced with then. You're literally faced with a Jesus that loves all the world and a Jesus that hates most of the world. He wants the rest of the world to burn in hell. He made them specifically to burn in hell. He doesn't even love them because he only loves a special chosen select elect. Yeah, because that's a thing. That's how it works, right? Yeah. God is not willing that any should perish. Yes, he is. I'm sorry. My Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. My Bible says God so loved the world. And world means the whole world. The all means all. Whosoever means whosoever. And Christ atoned for the sins of the whole world. So you see, this is why I oppose Calvinism. Calvinism contradicts the word of God nonstop. That the limited atonement actually is heresy. Because it 
literally attacks Jesus, changes Jesus, changes the blood of Jesus, changes the very atonement of salvation. Unconditional election is just wrong because it's built off of limited atonement. It's the brainchild of limited atonement. Irresistible grace is just ridiculous because the Bible flat out contradicts it. The clear interprets the unclear. Now, we have to pay attention to the doctrines and the theologies coming out of people's mouth. And then we have to correlate them with the word of God, the word of God alone, clearly uh, in a cross-referencing manner. What does the Bible flat out say in the broad scheme of it? We want to take all the word of God. And if one single verse, if one single verse contradicts a supposed teaching doctrine ideology, then that teaching doctrine ideology is wrong. Go back to the drawing board and figure it out then in such a way that it does not contradict the rest of the word of God. And when it comes to Calvinism, you got an awful lot of verses you're going to have to try to work around. So there you go. So what was the verse you you said uh, you were talking about? I think the comments went down a bit. All right. So, you know... The tradition is you never, ever, 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 ever read a single Bible verse by itself. You want to back up, get the whole context, and then see where else in the Word of God does talk about this and correlate it all together. You want the clear, what it clearly teaches across the Word of God. The clear interprets the unclear. When you're unclear on a word, Part of a verse, a verse or passage or doctrine teaching, if you're unclear on what it's saying, what it's being presented, you want the clear of what you do know the rest of the word of God to say to help you interpret it, to understand it. The clear interprets the unclear. So Ephesians 1.5 is the verse we want. Galatians, I want Ephesians 1.5. All right, so if we were to cherry pick this verse, now what does that mean? Take it by itself. Just by itself, we just pluck this one verse by itself. By itself, what would it seem to say? Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Okay. Let's read that verse slowly now. And pay attention to the specific words. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children okay having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will right okay now if you cherry pick that verse by itself it would seem to indicate the calvinistic view of hyper-election predestination. Okay, by itself it would seem to say that. Just as, as uh, Mark 10, 18, by itself it would seem to say Jesus is not God. But we know that's not true. Okay, so now let's actually take the clear, all the rest of the word of God that we went over on, on about what predestination, election, and you know, God's love in the world, all of that. Let's take all of that and those other passages we had about uh, uh, in Romans 8, 29, and in Ephesians. And let's pour it on here. Now, remember what we talked about? What, what did God predestine? 
What did God predestine? The works of Christ. He predestined the works of Christ. The works of Christ, the path of righteousness, Christ's likeness was predestined. The will of God that all would believe was predestined. That, that God made a way of salvation and redemption and righteousness for us. He planned this beforehand. Okay. According as... So, so, no. Uh, verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption. What's the adoption of Christ? What's the adoption of Christ? So we take a look at what Christ has laid out, what Christ has done, what God has predestined, that we are elected to do the works of Christ. So he's talking about the, this, the work and stuff that we are brought into. This is what is predestined. This is what is elected. And then we are brought into it. You see, this is what it shows. In the other texts, that's what it's saying. You're not elect before salvation. You're elect after salvation. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're brought into the adoption. When are you adopted into? Before salvation or after? Because Calvinism would say there that Ephesians 1.5 is saying you're, you're elect of God and you're predestined of God and you're a child of God before you're even saved. That you're predestined before you're even saved. That doesn't work. Because before you're saved, you're an enemy of God, an enemy of all righteousness. You're a child of hell. You're condemned in your sins. How are you predestined of God, elect of God, chosen of God, as a part of the family adoption of God before you're saved? That doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't work. That's a wrong teaching. So... How does Ephesians 1.5 work? By using the clear to interpret the unclear. What is Ephesians 1.5 saying then? What is the rest of the word of God saying? You interpret it by the rest of the word of God. So Ephesians 1.5 is not an evidence for Calvinism. You have to literally cherry pick it and change the biblical doctrines to make it work. Just like you would have to literally cherry pick uh, Mark 10.18 and ignore the rest of the word of God to make Jesus not God. It's literally the same logic. It's called cult mind. Calvinism brings in a cult mind of cherry picking and twisting word of God, redefining the doctrines and, and, and re-terming the theologies and actually bringing new meanings to the words when that's not actually what the words are saying. The words are very clear. So there you go. I hope that makes sense. If you have any questions on that, please go ahead and ask away. But what do Calvinists do the moment you start doing this? What do they immediately do? The same that every other cult does. You just don't understand it. You just don't understand it. You just don't understand it. Instead of actually questioning their stance, instead of actually looking at the word of God that might contradict their views, they just openly outright dismiss it and refuse to look at it and they blind themselves to it and because they want their, their messed up theology. They refuse to do the work. They refuse to actually look at what the Bible actually says. The word of God contradicts limited atonement, unconditional election, and irresistible grace. The word of God contradicts those three things. So there you go. Um, 
you had a question? Oh, let's back up. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, I remember seeing that, but I was on a train of thought and I didn't want to go off. Yeah, okay, Vice has a question. Some say Jesus appears in the Old Testament. Is there any truth of that? No. People are like, what? What, what are you talking about? The body is Jesus. The the spirit of Christ, the the Christ, the the Christ spirit. So we see that Jesus, the body, that Philippians two uh, five to eight, very clearly talks about the the body of Jesus was fashioned. That God fashioned a body for Himself is what it flat out says. And this body that was fashioned by God for himself, so he might give himself to the cross because, well, spirits can't bleed, spirits can't die, so he fashioned a body that could for himself, God's own body, which is who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ. He's the flesh and blood uh, physical manifestation of the Christ Spirit of God. The Christ Spirit of God fashioned a body for himself. The Spirit of God came upon Mary, fashioned a body within Mary, that baby Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation, the physical manifestation that was fashioned by God. This body does not appear before it was fashioned in Mary. The Spirit of God, it's called the pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ, where the Spirit of Christ would appear to people in bodily form. That happened. The Christ Spirit of God came down and showed himself. Love it. But the body, the physical flesh and blood body of Jesus does not appear before it was fashioned by Mary. That's what the Bible very clearly shows. Uh, some people believe that Jesus appeared. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Jesus. It was the pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ. Where the Spirit of Christ manifested people. That Who, who was it that appeared to Abraham uh, there? That Jesus refers to. Before Abraham was, I am. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. What is Jesus referring to? When when he he and the those angels with him appeared before Abraham. And those angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the, and the spirit of Christ in a bodily form sat down with Abraham. And spoke with Abraham. And told him about he's going to have a child. And then Abraham's wife laughed. And, and all of that happened. That was a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ. That that. The Spirit of God manifested to these people. The Spirit of God manifested to the uh, parents of Samson and told them, you know, they'd have a child and all that. All of those, the, the Spirit of God manifested to, to Gideon, where Gideon uh, brought the sacrifice and uh, and then the, this one touched it with the staff in it and it went up as a sacrifice. These are manifestations of the Spirit of God, not the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus was fashioned for a specific work. And when was it fashioned? We see it was fashioned at, uh, in Mary at that point for that time for that work. All right. Okay. Um, I hope that answers that one. Uh, Angel says, it makes me sad that my brothers and sisters in Christ are deceived into Calvinism. And they think it's so important to change free will believers. Yeah. Because like I said, you have two options. You have no free will, and God is responsible and accountable for all the sin of the world. Or you have free will, and you're responsible for your deliberate choosing to not do as you're told. 
when God gave you full instruction, full warnings, and full information, a fully informed decision, and you chose to disobey. And now you are held accountable for your deliberate disobedience. Which is it? Which is more likely when you take a look at the Bible and God? Free will. Because it works. Because it's biblical. Because the evidence is there. Because God is holy, just, righteous, and true. In him is no sin, no darkness, no shadow of turning. God cannot lie. He is not the author of confusion. Uh, or, or, or he... Or he's corrupted and sinful. He is a liar. In him is darkness. He is the author of confusion. Which is it? You see, you're left with a lot of questions. So, there you go. Yeah, there's tons. Tons. Tons of Calvinist preachers all over the place. And that's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate where they preach the opinions of men as very doctrines of God. Wait, you mean you preach for you, you preach for doctrines, the traditions of men? Who said that? Who said that? Oh wait, that was Jesus. Who is he talking to? The, uh, the Pharisees. <clears throat> <laughs> yep. It's Pharisaical. It's a hyper elitist group. We are of the special chosen. We are the elite. We are the special ones. We are the chosen ones. Yeah, it's an elitist cult within Christianity is all it is. That's my opinions on it. That's how I feel about it. I'm not I'm not meaning to bash and mock people. I'm bashing and mocking this teaching. And if you believe that teaching, that's your choice. Look, I showed you all the contradictions. And there's a lot more contradictions, but there's there's enough that's sufficient. So I hope that addresses that. This is why I reject Calvinism. So there you go. Anyways. Um... Angela says, what should I focus on in the book of Ephesians? Because my group just wants me to see Calvinism. Ephesians is a special book. It's one of my favorites, actually. Because when we take a look at Ephesians, uh, who is it written by? Paul. Who was Paul? He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a very uh, law-keeping, legalistic Pharisee. Uh, literally, he was. He literally was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And when he got saved, uh, Apostle Paul became obsessed with this one specific doctrine teaching of God, and that is grace. If you actually back up and read Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians, uh, these books focus so, so, so heavily on grace. Because that's what it's about. It's about the grace of God. So now what I would recommend is start the book of Ephesians and I want you to specifically look for very carefully in every verse, read them carefully. I want you to specifically look for and focus on and become obsessed with grace. You'll find it in every text. Focus on grace. Um, Look up Skip Heising, when you can. I would like your opinions on them if you want to. 
not trying to to make you but it's those type of preachers that appear a lot on my youtube feed well it's because you're looking them up and when you look up certain people on certain things uh the uh the youtube algorithm will seek out other people of like of like mine and of those things and will fill your feed on that so what i would recommend is go into your settings and and delete your uh your search history and watch history in your youtube you can actually clear out clear watch history search history clear that out start over and get away from those individuals um i don't need to go look them up um those into i i have heard of uh, skip before it does sound familiar um yeah these individuals um there's another guy gene something he's a preacher gene uh gene he's a a crazy preacher on youtube um i think i'm gonna wrap it up on this this one gene kim yeah gene kim is a preacher on youtube he has a ton of stuff gene kim is insane he's got a lot of absolute pathological teachings um i do hope he is saved he he does preach the gospel but he is a hyper calvinist and he also preaches other crazy psycho things like the the marine kingdom that demons are in the sea and about the, it, this charismatic views and he has he actually has some crazy charismatic uh views and stuff like this um uh, he's he has a lot of dangerous teachings i would recommend stay away from gene kim he's not safe he's not sound he's not someone you should listen to uh, i used to listen to him until he, went, he just went off the rails and he's in he's insane he believe he has videos on there about ufos escaped noah's flood and and about the nephilim and all kinds of other crazy things stay away from gene kim stay away from those individuals um people who preach a lot of their own views and things that are not actually found written in the word of god get away from them get away from them so don't listen to gene kim so there you go anyways how long have we been going here an hour 52 okay that's long enough all right so this is a test broadcast to make sure everything works it seems it works the next test is going to see if youtube actually saves this video uh so otherwise this has been fun and what will happen is when i end this broadcast it'll just cease to exist uh it's happened before it's happened before um so anyways please keep praying uh, YouTube and Instagram are trying to censor me, stop me, hinder me, oppose me in many ways. Uh, Instagram has banned me from doing live videos right now on my primary account, but I have secondary and third, thirdly based uh, backup accounts. If you follow me on Instagram, you, uh, my main account, I have a post showing you where to go to get my back, my backups. So make sure you check those out. Anyways. Um, so yeah, please keep praying that everything will go well. And with that, we'll wrap that up. Thank you so much for joining in. I didn't think I would get a video out today, but we did. And we talked about some of the most controversial, contentious things that there could possibly be. That's Calvinism and how it's not biblical. 
So if you're offended by that, go read your Bible. Um, <laughs> so with that, we'll wrap that up there. So thank you so much for joining in. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Please make sure you check out all my other videos. Uh, and I actually would recommend, um, I'm actually going to start a playlist talking about some of these things uh, on Calvin. I'm going to create a Calvinism playlist. I'm actually going to call it Calvinism just so that uh, people be baited in and they'll see these videos and get all triggered. Um, but I'm going to create a playlist um, discussing Calvinistic views. I have my video on refuting limited atonement. I have my other video on refuting um, uh, irresistible grace. I have a video refuting unconditional election, and I'm going to throw this video in there with it too. So uh, there'll be four videos there kind of covering these topics. So, so I hope that uh, you'll check those out. And if you have any questions, make sure to let me know. Otherwise, uh, please make sure you check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We've got links to all our other platforms and all our other goodies and stuff. Please make sure you avail yourself to that as well. Check out our Halloween merch. We created some Halloween merch. Some uh, I'm a Christian and I do not support Halloween. We got tons of, of goodies. And Redbubble now has hats. They started a new hat line. So that's great. So now we can start putting our stuff on hats. So if you're looking for fancy caps and all that kind of stuff, make sure you check that, check that them. And we got shirts and sweaters and all kinds of other goodies. And our Etsy has bookmarks and posters and all kinds of stuff. Check it all out. We got tons of stuff there. So anti-Halloween. So as all Christians should be. Have no fellowship, the unfruitful works of darkness. Abstain from all the appearance of evil. How can a Christian support that? So check that out and avail yourself to that. So with that, thank you so much for joining in. God bless you. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.